happy Sunday, everyone. Hope you're doing swell. We're going to get started shortly with our, I guess this is our sixth Twitter Spaces penultimate PHF preview. We are going to be focused on the Montreal Force. And then we are just a few days away from the beginning of the PHF season. I'm very excited. I mentioned it on Spaces before. I think there will be an official announcement, but we are going to, um, we, the broadcasters, are going to be headed down to sunny Florida to call these games. It's going to be a good one. Uh, we have our special guest for today, Ashley, joining us. Ashley, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good time. Okay, Ashley, just to make sure I get it right, how do you pronounce your last name? I just want to make sure. Yeah, it's Muzan, like a cow. So Muzan. Oh, more or less like it looks. Right. <laughs> love it. Love it. Muzan. Okay. Excellent, excellent. Well, you are listening to the Founding Four podcast. I am your co-host, Erica L. Ayala. We also have Angelica Rodriguez. She is going to be joining us in the chat. Um, and we are two Latinas with spicy hockey takes. And if you're in the chat, feel free to add any questions or comments that you have as we move on. Um, Angelica will be there as well to offer her thoughts. She's uh, not feeling uh, great today, but is still joining us, and we love that commitment. Um, thank you, Angelica, for all that you do in women's hockey, and of course, for being the co-host with the absolute most. We love you. <laughs> and Ashley, before we get started... Yes. I think I would like to take an opportunity out to just send some well wishes to the Six organization. We know, of course, we're going to be talking about the Montreal Force, but it was announced that the scheduled preseason game matchup between the two Canadian squads was postponed, canceled, essentially effectively canceled because there was someone from the Toronto six organization um, that uh, appeared to have a, a loss or uh, in the, in the family or, or um, some kind of a family emergency. So we are of course sending our well wishes. Yes. I echo those sentiments. Yes, indeed. This women's hockey community is truly a family and just like families, we have to stand by each other. That doesn't mean we don't bicker from time to time, but when it matters, we're always, um, you know, going to be supportive. And so we'll we'll just take a moment um, again to send some well wishes to the Toronto organization and to their um, immediate and extended families. Um, but also because of that, we didn't get to see a, a final tune-up for Montreal before the weekend. Next weekend is the opener for the Premier Hockey Federation. Um, but let's start with what we know about Montreal. Um, well, actually, let's start 
Ashley Muzan, who is joining us here on Twitter Spaces. Let's find out a little bit more about you. Um, so we, of course, connect and we have a mutual love for Black Girl Hockey Club. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you knew I was going to give a shout out to Black Girl Hockey Club, but Ashley, I, I've been able to um, also see your work elsewhere. And we did a, a panel talking about um, game misconduct, the fabulous yes. book. Um, but let let folks know where your hockey journey began. I call this my brown sugar question. Did you yes. first fall in love with hockey? Oh my gosh, taking it back, uh, 2002 in Williamstown, New Jersey, which is where I'm from, um, I started playing street hockey as a kid, so I was the only girl, only girl of color, only player of color, I think, in my team and some of the teams that I played, um, just really fell in love with the game, a lot of people in my class, I had a lot of young boys, obviously, that were involved in hockey since the Flyers were like 15, 20 minutes over the bridge from us. So the hockey, you know, community was really large in that area that I lived in. And I was like, well, hey, I want to play. Like, everybody talks about it. And they're like, hey, this sport is so much fun. And I was like, well, I want to play it. Like, why not? So I played for our two seasons. It was street hockey. And I wish street hockey was what it was then as it is now. It's so popular now. Um and I'm just happy to see that my hometown has still grown um, and they are still allowing boys and girls to play. They have high school teams now. My high school has a street hockey team. And I was like, dang, man, like, where was this at when I was going to school? So pretty much my hockey journey ended there for that time being. Um, I didn't have anywhere really to go. My mom didn't want me playing with boys as I got older. She was afraid I was going to get hurt, which is understandable. So I picked hockey back up um, in my adult year. So around 2017, after I had my son, I started playing women's ice hockey in Fairbanks, Alaska, which was awesome. Got to meet a lot of cool people. And then from there, I found out about women's hockey life and started writing about hockey. I really wanted to be just a journalist in general. So just really being able to Get involved in women's sports on a deeper level other than just being a fan was really awesome. Truly grateful for that experience. And I worked with them for about two years. And now I kind of put that on pause so they can continue to grow the game since ball hockey is getting as big as it is right now. Um, I went and tried out for the uh, women's national team two years ago. Unfortunately, I didn't make the team. But at the time, I did get to connect with a lot of women that were there and that are trying to grow the game. So I created my own uh, youth hockey organization called Ball Hockey Boot Camp. We're still pretty new. We're about six months in right now. And we have a focus on getting more players of color in the game and also getting girls and women involved in the game as well. So right now I am planning a huge women's ball hockey tournament down in Nashville. It's called Ball on Broadway. Um, we're getting some traction now, getting some teams signed up. So I'm really excited about that. That's one of our, that's probably going to be one of our biggest events for 2023. So I'm just getting really pumped and throwing all of my energy into that right now. That is fantastic. And of course the founding four pod being a black Rosie media podcast. We love that. And yes. want to support that. <laughs> that's amazing. And so Thank you, you bring, you bring all of that today as we get ready to talk about the Montreal Force. Yes. Um, now, usually, Ashley, we start these spaces off by recapping what the team did last season. And, of course, we can't do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that is because this is an expansion franchise. Now, as someone who 
I mean, you mentioned your ball hockey journey, and we might get into this because there are a lot of mutuals between women's hockey and the the, the women's national team ball hockey team. Um, so I'm sure you've come across a lot of players that have been in contact yes. with this league. So you know that um, Montreal has been teased as as early as the inaugural season's Isabel Cup championship that took place in your home state of New Jersey. Um and we're finally getting Montreal in the league. First, just your reactions to Montreal joining up and the PHF now, Premier Hockey Federation, expanding. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited that they expanded. Like I said, I became a fan of the PHF back in, like, I think it was 2019 because I didn't know there even was a women's league. Um, so I'm happy that I found it at that time. And, of course, I had to go. I'm a Riveters fan, so, of course, I had to go with the Riveters since they're my, you know, home state. I was like, I'm support New Jersey. Um, but, yeah, I think with the expansion into Montreal, obviously that's a smart decision given that we've seen such success with Toronto 6. Why wouldn't they expand into Canada? That makes total sense. I've just been following along ever since they made the announcement. I was just ready to see what they were going to start posting about, what kind of players they were going to um, have on the team, um, just their jersey colors. I love their jersey colors. I love the name. Um, I'm really excited. Their social media has been straight fire. Like, I have just been obsessively following their social media. That has been my biggest thing so far on their journey. I love that. Yes, we we love a good social media engagement, including that the um, Montreal PHF team, they, they kind of went a la, you know, the NHL Seattle route for a little while, right? We didn't have a name. We didn't have colors. We didn't have an, a home arena. And then right. to your point about social media, we started to see um, what Montreal was going to be all about. And they actually had a live stream of the press conference that they had yes. introducing uh, Montreal or, and again, um, I hardly speak English well, but La Force de Montreal, right? You know, if I had to yes. Frenchify it, but <laughs> um, so give your thoughts on the name and the colors for the Montreal Force. So I like, first of all, I really like the logo and I like the, um, the name. I just think they're, you know, with their name, I feel like it's a little bit of a foreshadowing. Like when Toronto six came onto the scene, we weren't really sure what to expect. And you're like, okay, they named themselves like the six or the six team in the PHF. That makes sense. And then with Montreal, I just feel like they're really going to be a force to be reckoned with, like not to be like cliche or corny or anything, but I really feel like with their coaching staff and like their people, uh, the athletes are putting on their roster right now I really feel like they're gonna come in and just shake some things up like I am just super super excited especially after doing some more deep dive into like their coaching staff and things like that I'm like holy moly like this is gonna be a very very interesting season I am just so counting down the days for the game to start this weekend yes Indeed. And I do want to get back to a little bit of the the name and the jerseys and some of what we know about the franchise. But since you mentioned it, let's talk about this coaching staff. I th think we have seen coaching staffs run the gamut when it comes to women's professional hockey. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm very curious to get your thoughts on the coaching staff that we have for Montreal. They 
um, have Peter Smith as their first head coach. Associate coach is Pierre Aline, I believe. And then Katia Clement Hadra is an assistant coach. Yes. So with this coaching staff, I mean, Peter Smith being the three-time U Sports Coach of the Year and also having experience with um, being the assistant coach for Canada um, women's national team for 06 and 2010, like that right there really stuck out to me because I mean, obviously with all the Olympics and things like that, you and any hockey fan knows Canada's women's national team is an absolute powerhouse when it comes to just what they've been doing these last couple of years. So for him to be on as the head coach, like, I already know their training and their gameplay is going to be intense. And they are, like I said, they're going to be a force on the ice. Like I'm really excited to see what he's going to do with the athletes that he has. And then just moving on with their associate coach, um, Pierre Elaine, just being um, a head coach for uh, Carleton university Ravens women's hockey team for the last uh, eight years. And then he also coached Canada's U18 and U22 team, 2022 teams. So, again, coming from the Canada national program, you're just like, holy crap, like this is going to be, <laughs> this is going to be intense hockey. Like that's a lot of, that's just a lot of experience there. And then also with the assistant coach, um, Clement Hadra, just playing, also having that pro experience in the CWHL and also being a Clarkson Cup winner as well as a skills coach, like they just, their, their coaching staff is, is definitely packed. It's, it's stacked. It's a stacked roster. there. Yeah. And we have, again, Angelica is joining us uh, in the chat or um, just on social media saying completely agree on the cultural aspect. Montreal is super attached to its roots. And yes. that is actually a lot what we got from team president uh, Kevin Raphael. What do we know about Kevin and his ties to Montreal and to women's hockey in Montreal? So I actually did not, I'm going to be honest, I did not know he was the president. I was so focused on the coaching staff and the players. I didn't really get to do too much research on him. So I'd be happy to hear your thoughts on him. Yeah, so Kevin, we know, um, was introduced as the team president again when we were still in that. Uh, I covered the Seattle Kraken, so I just kind of call it the Seattle Kraken uh, time period of it all. But, um, you know, from what I understand, he's been very involved uh you know, me, me not being from Canada, uh, you know, I know that, you know, he has been involved and has uh, talked when he spoke in the media, uh, talked a lot about his ties to women's hockey in the province of Quebec and to, um, you know, women's hockey players um, in Quebec. And so, I think that this move to me, just knowing what I know about Kevin Raphael, it was really an opportunity for the Premier Hockey Federation to recruit, if we're being honest, um, mm -hmm. given that Montreal is such an important piece of, as you mentioned, Hockey Canada and, and Canadian uh, women's hockey in Canada, excuse me, um, to be able to have someone like Kevin who has ties um, it was extremely important and offers some legitimacy um, while also hitting on that culture. Um, and I think that, you know, it, it's been interesting to see Kevin 
engage with that. Another thing that we saw a lot of people pick up on is, uh, for those who maybe are not looking at Kevin Raphael, uh, he's black. <laughs> yes, um, he is. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think for a very long time, this sport, um, and if we're keeping it a buck, keeping it 100, uh, this league has been extremely white. Um, mm -hmm. And I think when you see the opportunity to engage the the full um, community that is women's hockey, that's been exciting. I think we've seen some of that happen with Bryant McBride coming um, in at the at the head uh, or at the front office level, and believe he will be. I believe it was kind of like low key announced. We'll probably talk about this on Wednesday. Wednesday, excuse me, mm -hmm. but like low key, he's um, more involved with the Toronto Six. Right. Um, but I think um, from what I know about Kevin, like his energy stood out right away. Um, he seems to be having conversations with the women's national team. And actually, it's no one from all from the Montreal team, but the women's uh, national team was just announced um, for the the roster because there is the rivalry series, speaking of the mm -hmm. Seattle Kraken, but rivalry series, they're going to be in um, in Seattle. And yeah, in a so couple weeks, yeah. we have, yeah, we have some players from the PHF, uh, for the first time in forever that are going <laughs> to be representing hockey Canada. <laughs> so, I, um, yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting, uh, selection for sure. Sure. But yeah, I don't know. I, I again, I don't want to misspeak and like say all of these things about Kevin that I, I can't like corroborate because again, I'm not from Canada. I'm a New Yorker straight through. <laughs> so yeah, we're, I think the same, we're from the same area. You're that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. But um, Kevin has been really excited. He also has been excited to kind of test the waters in the province of Quebec. Um, very interesting history, um, like a lot of places. I mean, I'm speaking from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, complicated <laughs> history outside of hockey, of course, but um, interesting nonetheless. And we, through the eyes of the Montreal Force, are going to have an opportunity to get to know the province a little bit better because the Montreal Force are doing something that we've never really seen done, at least not to this scale, in which they'll have a practice facility. And we've seen PHF teams practice one place and then uh, have their home games at a, at a different location. We've seen that. We've also seen teams play the majority of their home games in one arena and then do, you know, one or two neutral site games. The Buffalo Buttes have done outdoor games. But this is different, Ashley. Tell us why this is going to be a little bit different from Montreal. So from what I've researched, it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I know I'm going to butcher the name, but it's Verdon Auditorium is their practice arena. Is that how I'm saying? Is that how you pronounce that? Verdon Auditorium? Uh, French is not uh, on the top of my uh, languages that I butcher regularly. So we're just going to go with that for now with the caveat that we might be saying it wrong. <laughs> yes. And it's a shame because I really wish that I continued with French because I took five years of it. You would think that I would remember some. Okay. But no. Well, it'll yeah. it'll come back like riding a bike I, I maybe. Hope, I hope so. I hope. <laughs> but um, that, that seems to be their main arena, arena, their practice area. And then it looks like from what I've seen on their schedule and just what they've um, announced 
so far is that they're going to be playing in different arenas across Quebec. So we're looking at, and again, this is going to be interesting to say it, but the Premier Tech Center um, and then the Pavilion de la Joannice, if I'm saying that right. And then also I saw the Arena Riviere du Nord St. Jerome is also going to one of the locations so I think the if I'm if I read everything correctly I think the purpose of that was just to really showcase the team around Quebec City and not just to play in that one area which I think is a pretty smart idea especially with it being new to the area to showcase what women's hockey is doing especially just getting the PHF name more recognized in Canada I think that's a pretty smart decision and it wasn't something that I definitely was I wasn't expecting that like I was expecting hey they're just going to choose a location they're going to play all their games there and that's how it's going to go and then I when I did some more research into it I saw oh they're actually going to be in a couple of different places for their um yes. the first half of their season which I thought was pretty awesome so I'm all for it Yes, indeed. And um, thank you, Angelica, who again is joining us in the chat or, you know, more so on um, there's a she's got a thread going here. But, um, you know, Kevin Raphael has been an investor in women's hockey and a supporter. Um, But we also know that particularly knowing that they're um, home ice and I believe it was Jared Book, probably for. Hab's eyes on the prize, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, I recall that he did a little recon and, and digging, and this is where you know that family dynamic sometimes gets a little choppy. But um, <laughs> you know the the facilities that they will be practicing at and that they'll have access to are are, are really known for being supportive of women's hockey, women's ice hockey. But um, it seems as though, or some are under the impression that. Um, being able to have that be the home ice and the home arena was just not um, an option necessarily for the Montreal force at this time. And I mean, again, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm being thoughtful with my words because I think some of the conversation between what we now know as the premier hockey federation and what exists as the PWHPA professional women's ice hockey, wait, I always get that wrong. I either get the acronym wrong or I get the, the, what the letters stand for wrong. <laughs> Professional <laughs> Women's Ice Hockey Players Association. <laughs> um, you know, I think um, there are still some things that have to be sorted out before we can have that big women's hockey kumbaya moment. And mm-hmm. um, again, uh, just a few months ago when the Montreal force was announced, we still did see a rift and people wondering if that was residual from some of the bad blood Taylor Swift style that existed between the two leagues and the CWHL folding and stuff like that. Right. Um, you know, I get the sense that Kevin really wants to move f- forward and he said as much in his introductory presser, which you can find on Black Rosie Media uh, YouTube channel, um, the full presser with with Kevin Raphael, but really to move on from that. Um, but I do think that it, being such a stronghold in women's ice hockey, that there is a little bit of an uphill climb and more of a prove it maybe attitude for the Montreal Force. Um, so, how do you think, Ashley, if at all, that might affect um, how Montreal is received on this kind of hybrid barnstorming tour that they're going to do when they're playing games in Montreal. I mean, I really think that like 
it's just, I always get so conflicted when thinking of, you know, what you just talked about, like the bad blood with PWHPA and the PHF and just like how like, and then obviously the CWHL folding and that was just only in 2019. So it's still kind of fresh on people's minds, especially up in Canada. Um, I mean, I think it's going to be received, you know, I think we're going to have to wait and see, but I don't think it's necessarily going to be like extremely open arms from fans necessarily. But I mean, people that want to support and people that are just like, Hey, this is women's hockey. Like they're trying to make it so that it is a little bit more better. We're trying to get to a better, you know, situation with professional women's hockey. I think it'll kind of be like a mixed bag of feelings. Like, I don't think it'll be, like I said, completely open armed. But I mean, from what we've seen with Toronto Six, it might just be, you know, they're going to develop their own fan base and it's probably going to take a couple of games to get there once they start, once we start seeing what the crowds are looking like at the different arenas, it's probably going to take a couple of games for us to really get a good idea on how it's going to look. Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. And I think that's fair on so many levels. I think just across the board, women's hockey at the pro level has a lot to prove to fans. Um, And some of it is because of things that just seem to, I think WoHo gets in its own way (laughs) a lot if we're we're keeping it it 100%. (laughs) So there's that, Um, you know, I think some of that is definitely, um, or has been rolled into the bad blood or the choppy, as Angelica pointed out that I used that term, uh, you know, gracefully uh, <laughs> trying to trying to trying to keep it 100, but also like not feeding into all of that stuff. Right. What I'll say, right. but no, it's, um, it's but definitely we, worth mentioning. Yeah, we have to talk about it. I mean, it's right. the, the the elephant in the room. So, um, you know, I think that there is a lot to prove. I think that. Um, you know, Canada is a very proud place when it comes to hockey and um, the CWHL folding was a big blow. Um, And so I also think though that uh, I don't want to say more so than Toronto who had a pretty great, um, you know, intro to the league, even though they didn't get any home games, nor did any team, uh, because of course that was the end double season as, as I like to call it, uh, the single site <laughs> season, um, when they entered the league because of COVID. But I think that there is going to also be this element of like, Hey, what are you, what are you going to do on the ice? Uh, you know, we don't just root for hockey teams, you know, we expect right. them to be kind of good. Although, I mean, the Montreal Canadiens had the number one pick, so I don't, I don't really know what that means <laughs> because again, I'm not from Canada, but anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard to talk about because it's just, you know, you're not from that area and you can't really get a gauge on yeah. you know, what people are expecting from this necessarily. Exactly. So it, it'll, it'll be, like I said, it'll be interesting to see once we get on the stream and, you know, start watching and seeing exactly. how, you know, are they going to develop like a good little fan base in their first season? Is it going to take yeah. maybe more than the first season for that to happen? So it's, it's definitely going to be something to watch for. I think it's going to be great. What we do know is, since we're on Twitter Spaces and we have Twitter love, there's already a, a, a fan account for the Forced in Montreal. So that's a good sign, I think. Yeah. You know, got to love it. But, um, you know, kind of that what have you done for me lately or kind of, um, you know, if if Montreal is anything like maybe, as you said, our, our uh, 
of the of the country to the south of them uh, in the United States. You know, we're we're kind of tough in the tri-state. Like we're gonna we're gonna show up, but we might not get excited until you give us something to get excited about. Right. <laughs> exactly. And so I think that kind of leads us to talking then about this roster. I mean, who are some of the names that stand out to you? We've kind of been getting um, signings in batches. Um, so, you know, yeah. like five, five or so players at a time, but, um, who stands out to you, Ashley? I think one of just, I had a couple, but the one that I'm really, really excited to see just because I've been trying to research as much as I could about the roster and just seeing what names kind of stood out. And, um, I saw that there was a lot of experience. So you have fresh out of college, you know, coming off co- collegiate play. And then you have a mix of also pro uh, pro players and national team players. So the name that really stuck out the most was Christina Shanahan, who's a forward. Um, she's coming out of University of Vermont. So she just spent her last five seasons there and her senior season or super senior season, as I like to call it, um, she racked up 33 points in 34 games with uh, 16 goals and 17 assists. And I don't know if you follow University of Vermont a lot, but I liked watching them um, last season. And I just never forgot that one goal where she was going on a breakaway. The defender tried to take out her legs. Obviously, it was almost a call. And she completely wiped out but was still able to racket her stick around her and get the puck into the net after the defender takes out their own net I was like are you kidding me so I'm really (laughs) excited to see her make her pro debut like that play I remember seeing it last year like on their um Instagram and I was like holy crap and then when they announced that she was going to be on the team I was like yes let's go I'm really excited to watch her I think it's going to be exciting. I also love that Mike Mercy, Mer- hello, speaking is tough. Told you I butcher English. So French, <laughs> we got no chance here, folks. Uh, Mike Murphy, excuse me, who is my co-founder of the Founding Four podcast is excited and showing some tendy love in the chat. I love it. Uh, probably going to get this name wrong. So forgive me, everyone. Uh, I, I have to start practicing. But Marie Soleil Deschen, I believe is how you would pronounce that. But um, thinking of goaltending, we know how important goaltending is in hockey, period. I think we've also seen in this league, whether it was originally the NWHL, National Women's Hockey League, or certainly the Premier Hockey Federation. We talked a little bit about the Minnesota Whitecaps uh, a few days ago and what Amanda Levier has been able to do. I do think goaltending is extremely important. Um, and so I think the, the we also know, though, as we've been going through these PHF previews, that every team has gotten better offensively as well so adjusting to a new league for some of these players adjusting to either women's pro hockey at all or adjusting to um, PHF hockey which for those coming from the PWHPA this will be more consistent than they're used to Um, you know I wonder what that uh, adjustment is going to look like for a brand new team in the PHF. Now, again, it's worth noting um, because when we had Kelly Schultz, who's one of the broadcasters on, we talked about Minnesota and the travel issue for a long time. Minnesota was just kind of like out there in the Midwest, right? Doing their, <laughs> doing their little thing thing because the PHF is very East Coast specific. Um, founding four that we we started in Buffalo, Connecticut. At the time, it was New York, 
Now we go yes. with metropolitan um, <laughs> and Boston. Um, so that's that's where the league has really uh, start where the roots started, and then we we went out to Minnesota. We went up to Toronto, but still along that eastern uh, border in the east coast. Um, and so Montreal, we slide to the left a little bit more. <laughs> yes. Um, and so I wonder what travel is going to look like. And and what I was saying is, it's worth noting that in their inaugural season, Toronto didn't have to deal with travel. Montreal, not only right. will they deal with travel when they're on road games, but even for home games. In what way do you think that might impact what we see? I mean, just given, and I am by far anything from a professional athlete, but just given the amount of travel that I would do for some hockey tournaments and how exhausted I would feel after, I can tell you right now that I think travel is definitely going to play a good little factor just in their playing. And it'll be interesting to see how they deal with that. Um, just given that, you know, they're going to be going to different rinks and then, you know, obviously traveling down here um, to play. It's, it's definitely going to be a factor. And I want to know, like, you know, if, if if I could talk to one of their coaches and ask, like, how are you going to deal with that? Because that's going to play a huge um, part in their playing. So I think once we see, like, maybe two or three sets of games, like, I wonder if we're going to really start to see the travel effects on them. Mm-hmm. I, I I think you're absolutely right there. And it's definitely recovery is so important. And it's been an emphasis on this league. I think they're still trying to get it right and figure it out. Also, I, I gave some stick taps to Mike Murphy, a.k.a. the stats man. Uh, <laughs> also, I'm going with Dr. Ice on this. Honestly, Dan, I, I did not even put that together with your handle, but I like it. Dan Rice has been on the last two spaces we've done. I call him the PHF insider, but he gave uh, – He's got a nice little apple for you on on your um on that goal that you that you mentioned. So for anyone oh, listening, nice. <laughs> that's right at the top on Twitter Spaces. Love it when the fam is chiming in here. But of course, my co-host uh, for now for the founding four pod uh, has mentioned one name that we have not regarding this roster. One of the names that was mentioned first, and that is one Anspete. Oh, we did not mention her. We you did right. not. I mean, just someone who's been with the national team, I mean, has such a, a, a great and solid career. It's a name that if you know women's hockey, you likely know, and Sophie Bate. And so I think, yes, I'm very curious to see what Anne-Sophie Bate will look like in the Premier Hockey Federation. And again, offense is in no short supply this year in the Premier <laughs> Hockey Federation. And to have... And Sophie Bate be, you know, battling it out uh, with players like Michaela Grant Mentis. Ali Thunstrom has moved teams. Actually, so has MGM. She's back with the Buffalo Buttes, uh, the mm-hmm. team that originally drafted her. Um, Madison Packer is sneaky and can rack up points in a heartbeat. So, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be amazing to see uh, what we get. And we see uh, that D.F. Pendry's uh, has been on the beat here for a long time, mentioning Sarah LaFour was such a key pickup, high scorer at BU and a key player in the C-dub. I think that's another thing that we're starting to see is that even though these players have taken so many different routes to get to their respective PHF team, the, the, the community is small, Ashley, and I'm sure you know that as well. Um, so to see the ties and for some people getting to 
see these players that they they first discovered maybe when they were playing college hockey now come back and return where they'll be seen on ESPN plus for for this season yeah. um or i guess uh you know it's uh, TSN plus <laughs> Um, I think it's exciting. I think it's extremely exciting and it has so much potential. Yes, I agree. I'm just excited in general, just for all the teams to come back. And just now that we have this new team, it's just going to, it's going to up the ante. Like last year was just a lot going on. And I think with the force coming in, it's going to be, it's going to definitely add some spice to this season. Yeah. Agreed. And also, Angelica, my bad. I didn't mean like for now. I meant really now. You know, I I told you I can't speak English. I don't know who decided to make me a writer, um, but <laughs> I meant you are my co-host now, as opposed to Mike Murphy, who was my former co-host. Love you, boo. <laughs> I think it's going to be good. Okay, so... It's hard to gauge what we expect from this team because we haven't necessarily seen them in action. We've talked about it on the show before. Like I said, we like to keep it 100%, keep it real. Even outside of the postponed or canceled preseason game, we really haven't been able to see a full preseason match, really from any team. Um, You know, it's arguable what you can really gauge from preseason, but I do think there are things that you can learn from training camp and preseason and really really haven't been able to see any of the teams. Um, so we, we don't really know what is in store for Montreal as they are the new kids on the block. Um, yep. But let's take a look at the schedule. Um, and I think it's always fun to kind of look at the team schedule and see what matchups we think are going to be fun. Uh, they will open the weekend at Buffalo. So I know that Angelica was at practice, the Buffalo Buttes, uh, and a few other teams had a nice little costume theme as it, of course, is Halloween weekend. So I thought that was a lot of fun. But they're going to open at Northtown Center, so we know that for sure. But other than opening weekend, first time that we'll get to see Montreal, what are some other matchups that you have circled, Ashley? Well, obviously, um, Thanksgiving weekend, they're playing the Riveters, so <laughs> I will definitely be tuned in for that. Um, that will be the matchup that I'm most looking forward to for um, before we hit the new year and then just seeing them play uh, Boston Pride. And it looks like um, they're not going to play them until maybe late January. Mm-hmm. So um, just given that I saw like little tidbits and highlights from when they had their uh, like little exhibition game and how kind of rowdy it got and a little, you know, pushy and shovey um, by the net there. I'm wondering if we're looking at a new rival possibly, Ooh. like maybe there's going to be some tension there. So I'm just excited, um, just given that Boston Pride is obviously defending their championship. So I think that'll be very interesting to see them play the Pride in a regular season game. Um, it just thinks we got to wait so long to see it, obviously, um, late January. But definitely the Riveters, once they play the Ribs, I'm, I'm excited for that game. And yeah. I just feel I feel some type of way because they're going to be playing the Buttes first in Norristown Center. And we all know that the Buttes have a huge – dedicated fan base so I kind of almost not feel bad that's not necessarily the right term but it's it's a little intimidating walking and seeing how dedicated those fans are so that I wonder if that's going to play a little bit of a tiny bit of an intimidation factor there interesting yeah I think that 
you know, I think every competitor, you want to give your best when you're playing the best. And for right now, the way things went last season, that is the Boston pride. We've talked about it on PHF previews right here on Twitter spaces for the founding four pod, which of course, black Rosie media podcast. We talked about though, if, if that final between the Connecticut whale and the Boston pride was a series, would we be saying that if that, the Boston pride is the best question mark. I don't know, putting that out there. Um, right. But that's, that's uh, we, I think that's another team that everyone is, is honestly going to want to play their best against is the Connecticut whale because they were the regular season champs. We don't have like a shield shout out to the Portland thorns who are your NWSL. They were, they didn't win the shields, but they did win the championship, the shield right. winner. Also your regular season champions that went to, all rain um but we you know we love a good crossover here and wanted to give some stick taps um to women's pro sports such an amazing weekend and it really was a weekend i know angie and i have talked about what would it look like and you can listen to this on the founding four pod wherever you get your podcast but we talked about like what would it look like if we had like a real weekend dedicated to whether it's all-star or we were talking about the draft actually um which Mm. has gone by the wayside at least for a while which i think is a good thing but like what i cannot wait till the phf till we get to where we're really building weekend of schedule a weekend schedule of activities excuse me and we have i think just women's sports was there i mean they could call black rosie media will come through i'm just saying um (laughs) you know and have like after parties and stuff like that so um Anyway, that's my, you know what we didn't talk about, Ashley, though, which I think it's tough to build rivalries, again, as someone who covers the Seattle Kraken, I think it's tough to build rivalries until you see what's on the ice. There's a hockey saying, I learned all these, I think hockey sayings are hilarious, especially as someone who didn't grow up watching hockey, you know, like the the most dangerous lead in hockey, like literally anything could be the most dangerous lead in hockey. I never understood that one. Yeah, that one was for you, DF. I see you here um, and has joined me on playback with with Angelica, like the most dangerous lead in hockey. I was like, okay, fam, like you said that about three nothing. Now it's like 12 nothing, the most dangerous lead in hockey, you know, like (laughs) anyway, but one of those adages is that um, rivalries are built in the playoffs. And that one I kind of like, I, I get that vibe. I think also, though, there are regional rivalries, right? Like, let's keep it 100. And when you only have two Canadian teams, right, two teams mm-hmm. representing Canada, the entire country, I feel like you got to put on, like, who's going to be the better province? Like, who's going to be the better city? And so I, I'm definitely looking forward to, and again, we didn't get that sneak peek, sending love to the Toronto Six organization. Right. But at the top of the year... January 7th, 8th, and this will be Montreal hosting the Toronto Six. It's going to be, I think that's going to be a showdown. And I wish that I, like, I need, I may need to update my passport to, like, pop over there. Because I really think that's going to be a showdown. Because, like, we've seen with the Six, they've developed a good little fan base as well. And it's just... It's going to be interesting at that point, you know, um, with a couple of games in, is Montreal going to have a little bit more of a fan base at that point and have people show up for them? Or is Toronto Six going to kind of dominate the audience there and be cheering Mm -hmm. more for the Six than the Four? So it'll be really interesting given that Toronto Six already has history in that area and, you know, has that fan base and people know about them. It's like, okay, well, what is the Force going to show up with? 
you know, in, in terms of support and everything from the crowd. I think that I, I really believe that obviously the crowd plays a huge, huge part in that. So it'll be very interesting to see that as well. That'll be a great weekend of games. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're going to start wrapping up here in a minute, but I do want to shout out again. We talked about Mike Murphy and Dan Rice and Helica again, joining us in the chat or on Twitter. So check out uh, her thoughts as we keep chugging along. But I also see, I mentioned DF. Eric has joined us on stage before holding down the Buffalo Buttes. Sam Fryman joined us for the Boston Pride preview. Um, I see Steph here, Burge, Jay, thank you all for joining. But um, for anyone who's been a, a co-host or a speaker before, I'm going to send out some invites. No pressure, but if you have some thoughts on Montreal, we would love to hear them. But Ashley, it's, you know, when you do these previews, you always got to make predictions. I personally hate making predictions. I'm an eye test gal, so having never seen... <laughs> The Montreal Force in action. I'm not. I'm not prepared. I am not prepared to make nobody's predictions. But what I like to do is I remix it a little bit. Uh, this is a new franchise, new kid on the block, as we said here, um, in our Twitter spaces. So, what do you think this team will need to be successful? I thought about this question a lot too before we came on here because I was like, okay, like they have a mixture of pro experience, national team experience. They have a very experienced coaching staff. I just think whatever, and I mean, we haven't been able to see it, so it's kind of hard to say this, but whatever they have developed for their strategies, like with the experience they have on the roster, I would just say that they need to stick to that strategy and just really go with it like in terms of just they have a lot to prove I mean obviously like you said they're the only other team representing Canada other than the Toronto Six so they just really need to stick with what they know and not try to get you know too out of pocket with everything in their play um, and then I just am interested in seeing what type of team they're going to be if they're going to showcase more of a physical game or a game with speed mm. or more of a strong offensive presence or just a mixture of all three of those I'll just be very interested to see after a few games like what do they come on the ice and what are they all about I love that I think you're absolutely right what's going to be essentially the identity of this team again covering a expansion team in the Seattle Kraken I call them like the teenagers it's like we know that they know what they should do now whether on any given night they're actually going to be able to do it who knows? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Who knows? And there's so many things that factor into that. I know we talked about travel. I do think that will impact them. And it might um, it might contribute to some growing pains. But then also, I mean, not. I'm sorry for, I apologize in advance to any Connecticut Whale fans because this hurt your heart a little bit. But we <laughs> saw the Connecticut Whale took the, at the time, NWHL by storm and in that first season. But there were things going on from a culture perspective behind the scenes that we didn't always have, we weren't always privy to. I mean, they went through so many GMs, so many head coaches, mm -hmm. and then they had a super duper dry spell. Out of a four-team league, they were always four <laughs> you know and so that's tough so you want to balance to your point Ashley coming out the gate with that strong like really this is how we want to play but also 
building a culture and doing it in the right way, which might lead to, or at least I'm hoping as someone who follows the Seattle Kraken, it might lead to a little bit less success out of the gate, but hopefully pays dividends over time. But Ashley, we, we have some, put out some speaker requests and I love that we have Mike and Sam and Dan going to join us. Dan, I'm going to save some, I'm going to go around the horn with Sam and Mike first, because I did mention that we want to talk about some of the news you were able to break. I mean, the insider here. So let's start with Mike uh, first, and then we'll go to Sam Fryman. But anything that you want to add regarding this Montreal team, what you're excited for, and what you think uh, they will have to do in order to be successful in their inaugural season. Mike Murphy! Hello, friends. Yeah, it's this is a, it's a really fascinating team. I think Montreal, for me, is the hardest team to predict what we're going to see, just because, as Ashley pointed out, like, there's a lot of young players here. There's a, like some veterans from the C-dubs here, players who are playing the PWHPA. I think their greatest strength is going to be they're going to have a great first line and they're going to have some great goaltending. Um, I think we're going to s- learn a lot about what the team ca- is capable of after a couple weeks or a month or two because I look at the roster and I say, like, is there going to be enough scoring depth here to hang with like the big scary offenses in the league right now, like Boston and Connecticut. And that's why I think that Montreal might be a bottom half of the table team, but that doesn't mean they're not going to be a ton of fun to watch because like, and Sophie Pate is one of like the most brilliant playmakers in the game. Um, She's whatever line she's on, that's going to be one of the highest scoring lines in the league. Like that just, Mm -hmm. that goes without saying she's that good. She's a game breaking talent. So that alone is enough for Montreal fans to be really excited and invested. But I, I think I said it in a, in a tweet before you mentioned it. I, I really think that uh, the next goalie that fans fall in love with. Listen, I love all goalies, but a five foot three goalie as a, as <laughs> athletic as Marisa Leydeschen, like that is a goalie that is just so entertaining. Like athletic goaltenders. Like, they can make your heart fly out of your chest. You're like, wow, wow, what you doing? Like, but it's so fun. Like, they're, they're, they make hockey that much better. But those are my, my quick little takes. I'll pass it on to, uh, to Sam and the rest. Thanks for letting me chat. Of course, Mike. Thanks for joining us. Sam, we're going to have you join and, um, I do want to let everyone know, I know Angie uh, tweeted this, but we do have Jared Book has joined us. Thank you so much, Jared. I mentioned your work earlier, and I do want to have you speak. I don't want to super duper put you on the spot, although I am I'm known to do that. But we're, Jared, we're going to have Sam speak, and then if you'd like, I'd love to have you come on and, and um, talk a little bit about your work. Uh, we I met Jared years ago. I guess it was the last ever CWHL All-Star Weekend that was in Toronto. Um, so would love to have him join us, if, if Jared, if you want. But Sam, I'll, I'll send it over to you. Your thoughts on the Montreal team and what they will need to do in order to be successful in their first season. Yeah, I think Mike really hit the nail on their head where the biggest question mark for me is just what line is going to show up as the really good depth line for this team? Who is going to produce under that great veteran presence led by Anne-Sophie Bate, recently named the first official captain of the team? You have her, you have a lot of those veterans like Kim Deshen from the old CWHL. You have Brooke Stacy, a longtime PHF veteran, going yes, to be getting out Brooke. there 
and playing competitive. Great to see her back. And amongst their goaltenders with Marisa Lindeshen and Trisha DeGuire, I think they have possibly one of the more underrated goaltending tandems in the PHF. I think those are two goaltenders who can really steal a game for you if they're put in the right opportunity, if they get some very good defense out in front of them. And then uh, kind of sharing the tandem work, if they do decide to kind of make it a pretty even split, unless one of these goaltenders really establishes themselves as the real workhorse kind of goaltender, as we've seen some teams do in the past. You think of Minnesota, especially with how much of a workload they can put on someone like Amanda Levier. But just overall team chemistry is going to be the one question mark for me for Montreal. But I think up and down the lineup, when you do talk about that depth, I think they have a lot of players who can really kind of score at will, create some good offensive chances for them. But as for where I would put them in a standings placement right now, I'm going to say a strong fifth for Montreal. I think they're going to surprise some people, but maybe not quite be to that level of a serious playoff contender, Isabel Cup contender just yet. But we've very much been wrong before in terms of assessing teams right out of the gate. The Minnesota Whitecaps made it to and won the Isabel Cup final in their first official year in the Mm -hmm. PHF, not their first official year as an organization. And just in the couple of years we've had the Toronto Six in this league, they've been contenders right there at the top of the regular season standings and making good runs in the playoffs. So I think with the great fan support, Montreal could do some special things this year, but I'm going to taper expectation for the new kids on the block. I love it. I love it. You're absolutely right, Sam. You, you mentioned an excellent point. Um, expansion teams have met success as far as being good and, and getting to that final. So Jared, uh, before we head over to Dan Rice, who's going to talk about some um, more general PHF stuff, or I, I would love him to do that. I'd love Jared for you to give us a Montreal perspective. Welcome to our Twitter spaces, Jared book. When I think of women's hockey in Montreal, this is who I think of. So Jared, it's such an honor to have you join us. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate it. Thanks for, for having me. Um, but honestly, it, I could talk about Montreal women's hockey all day. You don't need to put me on the spot. That's that's second nature to me. But um, <laughs> in in terms of uh, and um, Mike and, and Sam made made some great points. I'm happy that Sam mentioned uh, Trisha DeGear because uh, as much as I love Marie Shen or Sunshine as they call her um, here, uh, DeGear has has been one of the best goalies in U Sports for for a long time. She's been in the Canadian national team program and. Um, I, I think that it, at worst it's going to be a one A one B thing uh, in terms of goaltending, if not the year taking the job. And, and again, that's nothing against Sunshine. Um, uh, Deshan has, you know, been I think as low as fifth on the death chart in Montreal uh, between the CWHL and, and the PWHPA, uh, and and the fact that she got to practice every day against players like Marie-Philippe Poulet and uh, Jill Saunier and and players like that, it, it's made her into and practice with. And Renee Debian, Emirates Mashmeyer, Genevieve Lacaste. Uh, I, I think it's really made her into the goalie that she is now. And it, it's a great story for the opportunities that pro women's hockey uh, presents itself and, and why this, you know, talk about how there has to be one league is, is kind of um, doesn't make sense to me. Um, because 
um, <laughs> more and more opportunities is good. <laughs> like, like there's there's nothing wrong with 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 you know forty women in Montreal um, or Toronto and 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 Boston and, and places like that. But there can't be you know forty people um, getting getting contracts. But um, I, I do think that this team has the opportunity to surprise people, and it's not because I've I've watched them for the last few years. Um, but but this team is you know, much more like Minnesota than it is even Toronto in the fact that three quarters of this team played together <laughs> last year um, on, on Team Harvey's and the PWHP. Um, so, you know, we talk about, and not only last year, but for years. I mean, uh, Anne-Sophie Bate, Kim Deschenes, Sarah Lafaw have, have, have played together for three years um, in, in the CWHL and, and beyond. And I think that with, um, Peter Smith coming in, who coached a lot of these players with Team Harvey's last year, um, and also in, in university as well. And then having Katya Klimahedra, who, again, played with a lot of these players. Um, it, it's not like a, a, a work team that they have here. And, and I think that the, the big question to me, and, and I think that you know the two people before me touched on it as well, is how good are these first-year pro players coming out of U-sports uh, how good are they going to be? You know, Montreal has three of the top 10 teams in Canada uh, and have for years uh, between Concordia, McGill, and, and University of Montreal. And it's a big reason why this team is is necessary, um, especially as, you know, the the influx of non-Montrealers have come in uh, as well. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how this team shapes up. And, and it, it's a... It's, I don't want to put out the narrative of, of comparing Team Harvey's to the the PHF. Like that's not my goal here, but it does provide us with a pretty good measuring stick in, in terms of that. And not to take anything away from anybody, but but I think that it's it's going to be an opportunity to open some eyes and and see um, how competitive um, because this is our, our first real comparison, right? Like we, we don't usually have. Right. We don't have games between the two, right? And I'm not saying that it's necessary. That's that's not my goal here. I'm not trying to open up a, a bigger debate here. But but if we talk about pro women's hockey and the depth of the pool, this is the measuring stick that's going to do it. And and um, I do think just one last thing before I, I, I finish here is the, the the one thing that I think might hurt them is the lack of a distinct home field home home field advantage. Home mm-hmm. advantage. Um, you know, they have two games in Montreal. The first game is where they practice in, in Verdun. And then other than that, it's, it's a roadshow. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they, they go with that and, and how they, um, they can, you know, maybe make these, these towns home ice. Obviously, they'll have the crowd support. That doesn't, that doesn't worry me. But obviously, it, there's no route to get into. So um, I, I think that's a factor when you look at how they'll do um, in terms of standings um, as well. Yeah, I think you hit on so many amazing things. And Ashley and I did our best to try and, you know, figure out as East Coasters in the United States what the rep- reception would be, Jared, for this Montreal team. And it sounds like, you know, you're not worried about that at all, Jared. I love that you also mentioned that there is some carryover from, uh, again, the PWHPA teams. They had, they went with, uh, sponsor names for the last few cycles so team hard in this case um you know what what that could do for them as they're starting out the gate while also mentioning something that ashley and i talked about which is that lack of consistency and routine and how that impacts recovery as ashley mentioned i think those are all really um 
things that we're going to have to watch. Uh, I do want to invite Mike back if you have a minute, because there's something else that Jared mentioned as far as being able to have a comp, right? Or having an idea of where the competition is in women's hockey across leagues. And if I, I can't remember, the stat right now so Mike might be able to help me out but I know that there is some data that we have that's done a little bit of this and if I remember correctly um, you know seeing uh, women's pro hockey in Canada is still kind of the gold star as far as far as performance yeah so there's been a, a lot of interesting work um, I think the the most noteworthy is by Mikhail who is very appropriate to mention Mikhail as he was hired by uh, by Montreal. So um, <laughs> um, he did uh, work with NW Hockey E, which is using translation factors to kind of say, like, what is the point? Like, for for example, a, a couple of players uh, from the Hungarian national team who played in the EWHL have signed recently, right? And so we can say, oh, how many points did they have playing in the EWHL for for Mac Budapest or or, or what have you? How many points are like, let's say, in a thirty-game season, you have thirty points playing for Hungary? What might that translate to in the PHF? And you know, generally, we found, you know, Mikhail's work is so valuable because using that stuff, we we get to appreciate things like, wow, people sleep on youth sports and don't respect like exceptional performance in youth sports enough because it's really easy to get wrapped up in NCAA Division One and. We don't think enough about like why might a player choose to stay in Canada and play new sports, or why might a player say I want to take a different path and play D three hockey. Like, it's not just the best hockey players in the world don't just come out of Division one, um, and it's true of when we look around the world and try to understand different aspects of of you know the pro game. But like the CWHL, at, you know, at its height before before it's unfortunate clips that was you couldn't especially in 2017 18 and and all that like it was the top league just in terms of the overall skill and just because that's where the other things were right? like that's that's where the the active national team players were if we're if we're being blunt about it like are the players who are outside that conversation still very good of course they are the thing that's interesting now is we've had to try and Trying to quantify what's happened with PWHPA Dream Gap Tour and things, it's not a true season, right? So it's also last season and the seasons before you had players like, oh yeah, I'm gonna sh- one week I'm on this team, the next week I'm on that team. It's it's different. The thing that's so fascinating to me about these these uh, equivalency factors and tools like NW Hockey E is we try our best to say how good are you going to be? And this year, it's so fun because there are so many players from that have CWHL history and there are so many players from the European leagues and you know international imports like this is this is why tools like this are so great because we can try and do our like guesstimation of like what is, will your production look like and really for the most part it's just and of course there's a lot more to being a good hockey player than than how many points you have per game but um in the women's space, those are the kind of tools we get to have because we don't get to have nice things. <laughs> Ooh, that was a whole word. But as you were speaking, honestly, there was a part of the Lion King that was running through my head. And it's uh, when Scar is singing and he's like, a shining new era is to turn <laughs> 
you know like, oh, I, I just see Zazu in the rib cage <laughs> little bird cage yeah but I think there's a lot of potential um hopefully they won't forget those of us who are on this twitter spaces because you know like the next line is like but where do we feature just visit the teacher so anyway we're gonna we're just gonna forget that i don't know why i brought it up but now the song's in my head either way i want to make sure that everyone listening in please follow the experts that have graced us on the stage i know jared had to run for for dinner but the dedication for him to pop in and give us that montreal overview I thought was amazing Mike again with the analytics and I am really excited for what that will um, bring it sounds as though the PHF with not just the hirings from the team level but also there is a new job posting at the league level so hopefully analytics will be a factor but I do want to bring on Dr. Ice I'm going with Dr. Ice Dan I like D-Rice as well. I think they both work. I love that. But um, you were able to drop some nuggets on our last few Twitter spaces, and then you did some more by um, heading to the Connecticut Whale versus Riveters preseason game. And I just wanted to give you an opportunity to, to plug some of that amazing work that you've been able to do and maybe what's coming down the pike, because you talked to a lot of folks from what I saw on Twitter, Dan. <laughs> I did. Thank you so much again for for allowing me to come on and, and chat with you and and get some some information out there. Um, just to touch on some, real quick with Montreal, like I don't really know what to expect with them. I'm kind of like you, where I kind of want to wait to see them. Um, I think hockey fans have maybe been spoiled with expansion teams, quote unquote, like the Whitecaps and the Six um, and the Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL. Uh, whereas I think how Seattle performed last season, the Seattle Kraken, that is, I think that's more what I kind of expect out of expansion teams. Like it's not going to all be, you know, roses and sunshine that first year, like, like Vegas getting to the Stanley cup final um, and, and Toronto having a, a great start. Like, uh, albeit they, they fell a little flat in the playoffs, but um, I just don't think that's always the way that it's going to go. So I wonder with Montreal, um, I know a lot of those players played together, um, but I also, and, and I, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't watch the, the PWHPA games, but people have told me that there's not a lot of defense being played in those games. So I wonder um, what that group is going to do against a, a, a group of defenders like Connecticut or Boston or even Toronto, where they've been playing together for a couple of years now and they, they kind of are, are comfortable in their own skin and their abilities. So we'll see. That, that's what the, the season is for. Um, that's going to be really fun to see. I, I, I really hope Montreal wears the, those burgundy red jerseys when they come here to play New Jersey or, or um, if I catch them over in Connecticut because uh, uh, th those just they, they might be the, the best jerseys in the league. I'd, I'd like to see them up close, but uh, the pictures look awesome. Um, and, yeah, and yesterday I, I got to see Connecticut uh, for the first time this season. Um, and they are going to be <laughs> re really, really tough for, for anybody out there to, to take down. Um, uh, it, it was interesting to see. They were minus one player. They didn't have Tori Howren. Uh, that wasn't injury-related. I believe she was at a wedding or, or something like that. I, I believe that was what I overheard. But um, everybody's healthy there. They have a really deep squad, four lines, three pairs, uh, two really, really good goalies. Um, and they had a practice player there yesterday that I says, uh, who, oh, we have a mystery player. Who's number 10? Who doesn't have the nameplate? And uh, I was sitting with a former assistant coach, uh, acting coach, uh, assistant GM, acting GM, um, every 
starting the goaltender. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Laura, Laura Brennan has done it all for that franchise. Indeed. It, it, it really stinks that she's not a part of it anymore. And it was really good to see her and, and chat with her. But she was the one that said, oh, yeah, that's Kira. That's Kira Dostal Arena. I said, whoop, what? Whoop. And I, I kind of like Scooby-Doo kind of shook my head. And, and I said, excuse me. And I got up and I, I kind of ran down the stairs to go snap a couple of pictures and posted it on, online and then kind of put my phone in my pocket, went back to talking to her. But um, so that was, that was really wild to see. And um, from what I was told, you know, I didn't really ask Kira about it. I kind of saw her afterwards and um, her family was there and she was grabbing her baby and everything. So just kind of said hi, but um, from the way I understand everything, um, she lives out there now uh, in that general area in, in Connecticut, yep. as opposed to where she used to live in Brooklyn. Um, and it's convenient for her, right? I mean, um, she's, she's got her family going and everything and, um, it just, it, it works out. And for Connecticut, it, it's kind of like a no brainer, right? You have your, your six, your seven D and now you kind of add a veteran like Kira who's played, you know, throughout the existence of this league, at least, you know, a little bit every season, some season more than others. Um, everything that's happened or is going to happen, she's kind of been through it. So, that's good experience to have in case somebody gets hurt. Somebody, you know, the things always change really quick. We, we found out in this league where um, I believe it was uh, Buffalo has had a player leave their team like at least once every year for the last two or three years. So, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, but that, that's a great addition for them. Uh, had no idea. Um, talked to Evo afterwards, um, you know, just kind of shooting the, the, the breeze after the game outside the rink. And he said he didn't even know. He says he didn't know until warm-ups. And he says, who's that over there? And he sees they take their helmet off. And, you know, that they lay their helmets on the bench before they go back to the, the locker rooms for uh, when the Zamboni comes out. And he says he sees Kira take her, her helmet off. He's oh, I didn't know that was happening, you know. And um, he got to say hi to her and, and talk to her family. He knows her family pretty well as well. So um, it was, you know. We all love her. We're, we're glad to see her back. A little weird seeing her in green and 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 blue. That's for for sure. Um, but you know, that's uh, that's a great addition for them. And and Connecticut's going to be a problem. Like I said, they are they are really really deep. Um, you know, Kennedy Marchman playing with Katka and and Taylor Gerard yesterday was just Chico. when they had the puck. It was code. <laughs> yeah, it was it was ludicrous. And and you know, and Taylor Gerard is this player where. Like she's really, really good and, and she's strong. Um, she's confident when she has the puck and um, it's almost like she's always smiling and laughing. Like she's, she's ripping everybody's souls out and then she's laughing while she's doing it. And it's, uh, for, for all the fans out there, when you, when you watch Connecticut games this season and you hear her name, try and try and look and see, especially if you're at the rink, um, she's always smiling, always kind of laughing. Um, so, and, and she's obviously having a blast out there and, and who wouldn't, you know, playing with, with, with players like that. And, you know, it, once you get done with them, then you got to worry about uh, Alyssa Wolfire and, and uh, Kate, Katrin Lonegren yesterday. They were really dynamic. Um, I believe they played together in the game in, in Long Island against Buffalo. I could be wrong when they put up uh, – Wolfie had four goals. Um, and the players were saying she could have had seven that day. Jeez. Um, so that's <laughs> – that's you know that's that's what that's what teams have you know and then and then you go down the list of of the players that they have Janine Weber right I didn't even mention her yet Emma Vlasic, um, Tori Sullivan is is on this team now like 
they brought in uh, Lenka Serder and and uh, Justine Reyes. Like this team is so deep. I'm a Vlasic. Like this team is so deep that like, unreal. Been, and and talking to Colton after the game, he says, you know, I'm I'm very confident with uh, with putting either any one of my four lines against anybody in this league. And and I've I thought about it and I kind of shrugged my shoulders and like, yeah, well, I don't blame you. Like, yeah, you know. And then you go to the defense and they're obviously loaded there. I I love the addition of. Mallory Soliotis and Emmett Keenan to that group like Keenan is just really hard nosed and a pain in the butt to play against and uh, she said that was kind of what, like what Colton said to her he's like I, I remember playing against you and, and you were a real pain in the butt like we, we want you on our side now and <laughs> for them to get somebody like that and then bring in experience with, with Mal Soliotis two time cup winner like that's a no brainer that um, you know that's that's the salary cap world for for whatever reason Boston couldn't afford to or decided not to bring her back and and Connecticut was more than happy to to bring her on board. Yeah, wow. I mean, yeah, Connecticut looks crazy and I see Laura in the chat. We gave some stick taps to Laura Brennan and uh, just so grateful uh for all that she's been able to do for that franchise which is only just really getting started in my opinion uh i'm tempted to say uh year of the whale but i don't know i think we might need a new phrase <laughs> so we'll see we'll see what happens but they are a scary good team but dan you also had been mentioning that the riveters were maybe looking to add a few pieces um and some other teams so i saw that you tweeted about that as well and if i'm not mistaken you mentioned a player that ashley who joined me to talk about montreal has before on women's hockey life uh yeah they they signed uh fanny gasparics uh garrett gasparics i guess it is it was gasparics just on her jersey so uh but she played yesterday she signed up passed the physical everything good to go um she looked pretty fast the, the the little bit that i did notice her um and they've also signed reagan rust who played a uh, few few different stops. She played at BU. Uh, there's a connection with Kendall Cornine that uh, she played at RIT a few years, um, and then she played in the the PWHPA, and and I believe she played over in Sweden this season. Um, so she she was the the last player that they have signed currently to get to the the 20 player minimum. Um, I figured that out. I, I I knew that the signing was imminent, um, but I wasn't able to nail down who the player was until yesterday. Uh, uh, somebody. Somebody slipped that that information to me, so that was uh, appreciated, and uh, that should be announced, uh, you know, in the coming week. That uh, they said she's she's uh, passed her physical and everything, I believe, and um, she'll she'll be in uh, ready to play on Sunday. Uh, they only have the one game this first weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, they have the, the Sunday in Boston, um, so she'll be playing. And and uh, Amanda Pelkey, who didn't play, um, I believe, the last three preseason games for the Riveters. Uh, with a minor kind of nagging thing, but uh, they said that uh, after the game, she's expected to also play on Sunday. So they're 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 thinking of uh, you know they're going to have a full group for uh, for uh, opening day, and and everybody's healthy and ready to go. I love it. I love it. And I mentioned Ashley. Uh, it was Reagan Rust who she's interviewed. So Ashley, I'd love to bring you back, and then we'll start going around the horn and make sure everyone knows where all of our speakers can be followed. But I'd love for you to talk about that interview. While you're doing that, um, my co-host here says, glad Emma Keenan isn't getting ignored. She's such a strong defender. Second point is Dan spoke Laura Brennan's presence into the space. LOL. 
with two L's. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, I got to interview uh, Reagan uh, last year. Uh, I actually met her. We tried out for the ball hockey team together. So that's my connection with her. Um, she's just an awesome person. She's a bright light. She's so nice. She talks to anybody. She's just a really kind human being. And she is a powerhouse on the rink, even in ball hockey, she went hard. Like we weren't even expecting, if you listen to the podcast, it's so funny because obviously I'm not a pro player. She's been playing pro hockey. She's played against some of the Olympians in the PWHPA and has way more experience than I do. And we both said the same thing. Like after we were done those two days of the tryouts, we were dead. And I think we were the (laughs) two that we were the only two that traveled as far as we did. She came from Minnesota to go to Indiana. And I think her drive was like 10 hours. And then my drive was about 11 and a half almost to get there. So we were the two crazies that drove the furthest. And um, when we got there, we weren't expecting it to be so physical (laughs) when we were playing. I was like, yeah, it's hockey, but I wasn't expecting to practically get checked with no pads on. That was a really interesting experience, but she was awesome. Um, We talked a lot about that on the podcast and just her experiences in hockey and um, traveling overseas. And also with her mentoring program, she mentors young athletes, um, specifically female athletes that are coming up in hockey. So she's doing a lot of great things for just young girls. And I'm happy to hear that she's going to be joining the PHF. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. And Ashley, while we have you, Ashley Muzan joined us to talk about the Montreal Force as as part of our PHF previews for the Founding Four podcast, which, of course, is a Black Rosie Media podcast co-hosted by myself, Erica Elayala, and Angelica Rodriguez, who's on some voice rest. We want to wish my co-host the best, make sure she's feeling good. But Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. And we're going to have you back to talk about Toronto. But in the meantime, in between time let folks know where they can find your work and uh, how they can support your ball hockey initiatives yes if um if you want to follow me here i'm not as active on twitter but if you want to follow me on here um, who's on a and then on instagram facebook linkedin uh, i am ball hockey boot camp i'm the owner and founder of that organization so if you want to give us a like a follow um just support that would be awesome Love it. And again, we have our final PHF previews until the puck drops on the eighth season of the Premier Hockey Federation, formerly known as the National Women's Hockey uh, League. Yeah, League. Oh, my goodness. The brain. (laughs) Time to go, y'all. That's how you know it's time to go. Lord. But um, All right. Let's keep going around the horn. Mike Murphy, thank you for joining us on this Twitter Spaces. Let folks know where they can find you. I know you you just dropped some uh, PHF previews yourself over at the Ice Garden. But if you have anything coming up that you want to plug, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, just previews over at TIG. We're excited for that. I'm probably going to do a thing where I make... uh like a 10 bold predictions for the PHF season. So I'll make a fool of myself for everyone. That'll be fun. Um, But other than that, yeah, just hanging out, turning out podcasts and content. Appreciating everybody lift everybody up. We love that hashtag content. Mike Murphy doing amazing work again. uh, My stats man guru and all things and has been amazing at bringing some transparency to uh, the salary cap and specific salaries 
for not just the PHF, but women's hockey. And that includes, of course, that we're starting to see more agents. So give Mike Murphy a follow. But Sam, the man, uh, we're going to bring you the, one of the voices of the PHF. Let us know where we can find you and, um, you know, what you have coming down the pike. Yes, well, you can definitely follow me here on Twitter at sfryman 20 I'll be tweeting a lot about uh, the PHF and women's hockey, most notably uh, the Boston Pride. I'll have plenty of home games for them, so if you're ever at Warrior Ice Arena, definitely feel free to come say hi. And along with yourself, Erica, I will be on the call for some games this year on ESPN+, Plus, TSN+, Plus for those folks up in Canada, hopefully uh, Montreal should be on the docket for me to call a couple of games of theirs and uh, really looking forward to getting this season started and looking forward uh, to being at that home opener for the Boston Pride against the Connecticut Whale, the finals rematch, and just excited for everybody in this league to get started. Should have some fun stuff coming up between then. It's going to be a good time. We cannot with um of course we had jared book on as well and mentioned earlier on twitter spaces uh, or, or in this conversation on twitter spaces that he is definitely someone that you should know as we now have a phf team in montreal so follow jared book we were so grateful that he was able to join us um my co-host angie i know she's not feeling well so i'm just gonna plug her of course you can follow her at reina de la isla and i'm super excited because i know angelica has been going to buffalo buttes practice she's on that beat for the ice garden of course she's my co-host right here at the founding four podcast but again looked like there was some spooky season celebration and festivities happening on the ice so i can't wait to read more of what angie has going on there and of course check out um her and again you can just anyone who's on the stage you just press the little circle and that's how you can follow them. Um, but uh, you can also take a look at some of the stuff that she tweeted out regarding Buffalo Buttes practice. And of course, my name is Erica L. Ayala. Sam Fryman mentioned that rematch between the Connecticut Whale and the Boston Pride. I will be on the call for that one. So I will be your analyst for that game. So follow Sam if you want to see what's happening in the arena. And then, of course, tune in on ESPN Plus or TSN Plus uh, so you can listen to the first season of the PHF. Uh, we can't tell you what we talked about, but we can tell you that we did have a production meeting. And I'm excited. I think that there are so many people that are really focused on bringing the best product uh, yet that we've seen for the PHF slash NWHL. So I think it's going to be an exciting time. Also, again, stick taps to Laura, who's here, who, um, you know, I know is continuing on in the hockey space and in her growth and development. It was good to hear Dan talk about uh, Laura and uh, her being able to to be at that uh, preseason game. I don't see Dan anymore on here, but make sure you're following uh, Dan Rice. Again, I call him the PHF insider. He does such a great job now that we have seven teams in the league. He does a really good job of keeping his finger on the pulse on the majority of them. And even though he, of course, is by way of his 
proximity to Connecticut and uh, the Riveters, uh, and he's in New Jersey, he's usually reporting from there. So a lot of us have been doing this for a long time on our own dime. <laughs> so we're always grateful when you do click our work, follow our Patreon pages, like their hockey stats for Mike Murphy. Uh, the founding four pod is under Black Rosie Media. So we have a Patreon page, but of course, just liking, sharing, subscribing, listening, all of that helps us do what we do but I think that will do it this one ran a little long but we had so much expertise I didn't want to cut anyone short but on Wednesday it will be our final PHF preview we're talking about the Toronto 6 and I think it's going to be super exciting I've mentioned it before but I spoke to Soroya Tinker ahead of their home opener and Tink herself has some amazing stuff coming up for again as Ashley and I talked about Black Girl Hockey Club so you can also listen to my conversation with Soraya Tinker that will be coming out uh, leading up to the puck dropping on season eight of the PHF. It's going to be a good time, but that'll do it for my co-host Angelica Rodriguez. I am Erica L. Ayala, and you have been listening to the Founding Four Pod on Twitter Spaces, a Black Rosie Media podcast. Happy Sunday. Thank you for tapping in and hopefully... We'll see you at, uh, on Wednesday, excuse me, at 7 p.m. That's Eastern Standard Time to talk about the T6. Until then, uh, make sure you subscribe and follow, listen to Founding Four Pod, and we'll catch you on the next basis. Thanks, everyone.